Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey everybody welcome to a special bonus episode of meet us at molly's as always i'm one of your hosts my name's gina i'm joined by Bryna. hello everybody we've got a special guest today you know him you love him no matter who he ships together on a show. He's the co-creator of Chicago Fire, as well as executive producer, Mr. Derek Haas is back. How are you, You don't Derek? always love him. I'm Whoa. doing great. I'm at, it's nice to meet you at Molly's. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So, yeah, we had a, we have, we've seen the penultimate episode. We're leading up to the finale. It's going to be a really eventful yes. night. How, how are you feeling ahead of the yes. finale? I'm feeling really great about it. We um, we wanted to go really big. We, you know, Reza's directing it. Uh, I wrote this one. Reza's our main producing director, and he's been on the show since the very beginning. And he always takes the bigger episodes. He did that winter finale this year where we had the big highway accident and the and the uh, helicopter, you know, landing on the street and all of that stuff. So. We're always trying to outdo ourselves, um, and this is definitely a big one. We've got a bunch of plot lines converging, and um, I'm going to tell you, it's it's not going to stop till the last second. You write every finale, though, don't you? Uh, yes, I've written all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, the first five seasons with Brant and the last two by myself. Nice. Do you have to call dibs on that, or are they just like, yeah, we're going to reserve that for Derek? Well, I'm, you know, I'm in charge, so I get, I get to oh, do okay. what So, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's important. I know everyone doesn't feel this way, but as a showrunner, I feel it's important that the showrunner writes the first one and the last one of every season. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. we've got, yeah, we've got a bunch of questions here. I mean, we're going to, we tried to go chronologically and start from like the beginning of the season through to the end. So... We're going to try and keep oh, cool. it in order. Yeah, cool. So the first thing is we kind of want to help you out here, okay? You are only okay. in the firewriter's room now, right? Only in fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I get that a lot. I, I worked on the first two and a half seasons of Chicago PD. Mm-hmm. I helped write the first episode of Med and the first episode of Justice, um, but I was never in those rooms past the very, like the spinoff. Uh, right. right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. So let's clear this up once and for all. You're only in the firewriter's room. So what exactly does that entail? You can't control what Manstead's doing, but if one of them comes on your show, then you kind <laughs> of can, right? Well, I don't have anything to do with their big plot lines. Uh, I don't even know what they're doing unless it affects, you know, me having a character from their show onto our show, for instance, like if I call Andy and Diane who run Chicago Med and I say, hey, I'd love to have, um, you know, Natalie on the show, uh, it'll be the 14th episode, which, you know, they, they all run concurrently. So then they look at their 14th episode and, you know, as long as she's not 
giving birth or she's in the, you know, she's under, what do you call that? Like we're quarantined or something. Yeah. And okay, cool. Cool. We can put her, you know, in this episode, we just don't want you to go from that hour of television and something crazy is happening with that character. And then she shows up at Molly's or whatever. So that's genuinely, that's generally what we do. Nice. So if we're going back all the way to the beginning of the season, I mean, the premiere, there was a lot of stuff that happened in that premiere. And I know last year when we talked to you, you said you guys hadn't really talked about how you were going to pay tribute to Deshaun and Connie. And so I know like the way you guys ended up going about it, you know, we talked about it on the at first episode we did, you know, it was, you know, it was poignant and beautiful, but also heartbreaking. So I'm curious, like, who came up with that idea, like, the way that you wrote her off? And, like, was it something that you guys as, like, a whole writer's room came up with collectively? Or was it, like, you kind of had an idea, like, when you went back into the writer's room at the, in June? That was Andrea Newman's idea. Um, we were all, obviously, you know, shocked and caught off guard um, and very upset when Deshaun passed away last in, in that season. And... Um, and so we just didn't want to do anything disrespectful to her family, primarily to the character. Um, and so Andrea had that idea over the summer um, as we were in hiatus. And Andrea Newman, who's a head writer along with Michael Goveri, they write a lot of episodes together. They've been on the show since the very beginning. Of course, we have our own little, you know, um, text chain going. So we're always talking even throughout throughout the <laughs> as we're coming up with ideas and she had the idea of why don't we give um Deshaun you know pay tribute to uh have Connie pay tribute to Deshaun's real life work which was in the school system and so I called Eamon that summer uh Eamon Walker who plays Bowden I called him in London he was closest with Deshaun's family and I and I threw that idea out to him and then said, um, you know, what do you think? And he, he really was touched and loved it and called her family and just got their blessing. Um, and then, and then, and then I wrote that into the first episode. So kind of going off of that, cause you mentioned obviously like texting throughout the hiatus and like coming up with ideas, like as a showrunner, do you know season arcs beforehand? And then like when you guys come back into the writers and like tell the writers what you're thinking, or do you guys kind of like all sit down together before the season starts and figure it out? Like how does that work in terms of like long-term planning for a season? It's both really. We, we end the season each year with some idea of what the beginning of the season is going to be. Um, and then we come in and we throw it open to the writers. Um, you know, what are some big swing ideas? What are some smaller story ideas? What are some funny ideas? Uh, and then we just start throwing up uh, ideas onto a board and, you know, like one of these whiteboards and you're constantly adding to it or erasing from it as, as, a, as a better idea supplants one or you're riffing off of somebody's idea. Um, and then, and then, you know, Andrea and Michael and I will have our own thoughts about, hey, what if, you know, we do this uh, as a major thing, um, you know, we'll have, I don't, I don't know what the answer would be right now from the beginning of last year, but the Chloe character, like that idea of right. having a, a girlfriend for Cruise, that might come up and then people start riffing off the idea. Oh, is this a two episode thing? Is it a three episode thing? Do we want to continue it? Um, and then you narrow down the ideas from there. So it's a little bit of both. We're thinking all the time. We definitely shape 
um, the season. Uh, and then, and then, and then any writer on the staff is open to try to improve upon what we have. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. The, the behind the scenes process, I know to me is just like super fascinating. I'm, I'm always asking yeah. ridiculous questions. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> well, the thing as a showrunner, you have to be strong willed too, in that, you know, you've got to trust your own taste in terms of hearing ideas but stay open to the idea of maybe you could be wrong. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty resolute when I have, you know, a notion of which way a story is going to go. Um, and I could definitely be persuaded if somebody's got a strong argument, but there's many times I've had to tell people that, look, I've, I now trust my own taste. I, I kind of know what I think is the way to go for the show and, you know, I'll live or die by my own decision at that point. But I'll give you a perfect example in this episode that you guys just watched. Um, we were always going to have this arsonist be a man that was um, going to be, you know, when we first pitched it back in October, it was like, this will be a good way to end the season. We'll have a, a it'll tie in Benny's whole storyline that we've had through the whole thing. Kelly and, and Stella's problems were because of Benny dying and so what if benny's white whale resurfaces and it's a it's an arsonist that he was tracking down 15 years before and so then i got you know and i had, we had already written the first script um which was the 20th episode and andrea and Gavari were going to write the 21st i was already outlining the 22nd the finale and so then i get this call and andrea and Gavari asked me to come down to their office and i walked down there and you should see these looks on their faces like it's like that uh Saturday Night Live sketch where, um, you know, like she, she's got some information she can't wait to give, uh, give out. And so Andrea said, what if, what if we make it a woman? One fifth out of all arson cases are women. You'd never see it coming. And uh, I, at first I was like, oh, no, I don't know if that sounds good. Like, you know, in my head was just picturing it as some, some big imposing guy, like what the police sketch was. And um, they were like, hear me out. Like, what if we do it? Like, it's a, you'll just think it's a Law & Order SVU episode where they're going to interview, you know, the victim about, and she gives us some crucial piece of information she didn't know you have, except that she's the killer. And we we're like, oh, shit, that's a really good idea. So <laughs> anyway, I got, I got persuaded on that one. That's awesome. So, yeah, I had no and idea. I think it was one of the best twists of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't expect it to be like not that she is like a suburban mom, but like that's kind of how what I thought of her. Like when I pictured that, and I was like, I definitely did not see that coming. I thought it was definitely one of the best. I like that twist. And if you watch um, when Severide first approaches her at the back, she's getting the box out of the back of her trunk. She jumps like, and then yeah. we play it as though oh he startled her. And then she's got the burns on her arm, so you think, oh, she's a victim. Right. Um, but nope. Yeah, that yeah. was a good twist. That was a really good twist. So taking it back to the beginning of the season, everyone was shocked to see Monica back for the last scene of the premiere. So did you ask her to do that as soon as she said she was leaving, or was that kind of once you guys got back into the writer's room? It was over the summer. It might have been right before the writer's room, but I, I had been thinking about it ever since she said she wasn't going to come back. And uh, basically, I begged her to come back for one episode. And then I wanted to keep it a surprise 
because I just feel like it's so hard to keep surprises in this business anymore with the internet. And, you know, you guys are pretty good sleuths at, uh, spotting, you know, changes in the call sheet or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> no, she was, I was very, very fortunate that she, uh, agreed to come back. And I do think it shocked everyone. Um, cause you, when Casey made that phone call, you just think it's going to be one of those, Oh, well, they don't have the actress, so it'll just go to voicemail. And then she picked up and, you know, I thought it was, it really worked. Yeah. But that's something we still hear a lot about always is like Dossie and Dawson and Monica and, you know, like, we st- I mean, like we still getting like DMS about it, like all the time. So like, I'm curious, like, I mean, they're divorced now, but like one day down, down the line, assuming the show goes for many, many, many more years, like should fans still have hope that like, maybe that's can come back or, or is like that chapter like officially over and like, you know, we're moving on. They're divorced. <laughs> no, anything, anything can happen. I'd never, I'd never say never. And, um, you know, I, I know Monica's going to be super successful in whatever she does. So mm-hmm. if down the road, you know, and, and, and timing's right and she wants to do it and we have the right storyline for sure. I could see her making, you know, an appearance or, uh, who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, it'll be a long time before we have to decide how the show's going to end. But <laughs> let's see. Let's see where Casey is in his life, and um, yeah, and keep going. Yeah. So, um, and you know, shifting over to PD for a second, which we know you are not in the PD writers' room at all. Um, yeah. But was there ever any discussion of bringing Antonio onto fire and maybe like him and Casey just having a discussion? Because truth be told, we're still not sure Antonio even knows where his sister is. Yeah, the problem, I mean, it's my fault because you, you get so into your own show that you kind of forget that there's other characters out there. And I know that's irresponsible, but it just happens. And right. then when when I was talking about doing it, I called Rick and Rick was like, oh, he's in this really dark storyline, um, which was, I, I think, going up, leading up to their winter finale, they yeah. had Antonio and all sorts of like dire straits, um, addiction and whatnot. Uh, so I was like reluctant to then have a totally, you know, separate conversation on fire because I just could I didn't want to mess with whatever they were doing and then by the time by the time then we got to an Antonio scene I feel like um they were talking we were talking we had Antonio helping us out with like this officer who had uh run over a guy on a motorcycle and it just felt like the wrong timing to have Casey be like, Oh, by the way, have you heard from your sister? So I don't know. Maybe I should have done it then. But I, but I blew it. Yeah. No. And like, so I guess speaking of Antonio, we got a question from our listener, Yona, and she wanted to know, like, would you ever, now that we know that John's leaving PD at the end of the season, like, would you like to have him back on one last time on fire, either for like a scene or a whole episode? Or like, is it out of the question that he can't even come back to fire? Like, what are your, like, will we see him again? Or is that kind of like a, we'll see when we get there kind of thing? Yeah, I can't answer that for you. Cause I'm not 100%, you know, certain how they're treating him on Chicago PD. So, so gotcha. it'd be irresponsible of me and premature to say anything. But John, uh, John Seda is freaking awesome. So if I have a chance to use him again, I would um, absolutely do it. Good, good deal. 
So taking it into 702 now. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Brennan. You cut out for a second. No, go, go ahead. ahead. You cut no, out was, for a second. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so 702, we were hashtag blessed with the big three-show crossover that happened. And so we know you yeah. filmed it first before you even filmed the premiere. So what was that process like? Because, I mean, you didn't go small on the landmark. You burned down a pretty big building in <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. Uh, the process was we knew we were going to do it. We, we tried to do it the previous year in the in the spring crossover and it just became unwieldy in terms of budget and 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 actually what happens is you got people don't realize what it goes in to make these shows and our crew has to anytime we burn an interior they have to build a set on our burn stage that has to be safe for the cast and the crew um, and so anytime you have to build those sets, well, then you have to take it down and build a new one, which is why a lot of times you won't see us have a fire two episodes in a row. Um, because it's just the turnaround time is too hard. I mean, we're, we're doing it for the final three, but we know ahead of time anyway. So we just couldn't get it done in the spring. And so then when we started talking crossover, um, for the, um, for the new fall premieres, uh, and, and the appetite of the network was to do it in the second episode, which I thought was a terrific idea. I pitched the, um, let's do the, you know, the residence tower fire. Um, and then we can flip and have fire be first. Then, then we'll have five victims that can go to med. And one of those victims can lead into a PD story. And so Rick and Andy and Diane and I all got together and came up with that. I sh- I'm, I'm not taking credit for the three the, the thirds. Um, but I knew I wanted to do a residence tower fire. And so then when, when you get into production, the very first week of production, what we realized was to have their cast on, cause we had Halstead a lot in our episode. Um, right. and we had Dr. Halstead also, and we had, um, all the PD people at the end. Uh, plus we wanted, we knew we'd have the most time, to build um, the stages in in the three weeks that it, usually you only have eight days to do a prep, but we'd have three weeks because it was the start of the season. So we shot ours first, knowing that then that would free up Severide and Casey to be in their um, you know thirds of the episode. So that was just the thought behind that. We try to stagger the productions of the crossovers so that your cast is available to be in the other ones. Gotcha. So speaking those things that were kind of different for this specific crossover, I mean, the Severide repelling down the side of the building scene, like, that was probably one of my favorite calls all season. And I'm curious, like, what, where did the idea for that specific call from come from? And like, what was it like shooting that scene specifically? Well, again, that was something that we had pitched the previous spring. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, um, and Andrea Gavari ended up writing the um, crossover this year, but in my mind, that was just going to be shot on a green screen or whatever. You know, we try not to do, I mean, we rarely, rarely do green screen, but I thought, well, I mean, they're 40 stories up and he's going to have a kid in his, um, right. so I, just, I, you know, we throw it over to the stunt guys and we say, okay, what, what can you do? I had no idea they were going to actually do it outside of that union carbide building. Um, and so they built a rig, you know, it's a few floors below them, uh, safety, uh, net. 
And but they dangled them outside the building and the cameras up there. You know, I I don't know how they do this stuff, but uh, I was really really impressed. But that action sequence had been thought about from the for previous a long time. Spring. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. How did Taylor take that? Was he excited or was he kind of scared? He loves stuff. Oh my god, he loves it all. He'd do every stunt. I mean, he already does ninety percent of them. He'd do a hundred percent of them if we let him. He's uh he's an adventure seeker. Love that's it. Awesome. Love it. So are we thinking of doing the crossover early again next year as well then? Yes. Yes. We don't quite have it figured out yet exactly what it's going to be. Um, I I think it would be good to do, because we've never done it, med into fire into PD and keep the three hours the same order. But that's not been decided yet. That's awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. And so... Like, kind of going off a of crossover. In the crossover, we got to meet Ritter for the first time. And we loved the addition of Ritter this season. And just really seeing both Mouch and Herman be a mentor to him. And kind of having that candidate aspect back has been really cool. I'm curious, like, what do you yeah. like about that dynamic that Ritter brings to the house? Well, when you come up with a character like that, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Because you don't know who you're casting. Um, right. Especially in that very first episode. And a lot of times those kind of roles will be, you, you cast it and you're, you're happy, but you're not blown away. So you think, okay, that's a two episode or a three episode thing. And then when Daniel came in and um, just blew everyone away, he's so um, talented and he's just such a raw, real, sympathetic, you know, actor where you can see every thought on his face and he just blew it. He really blew us away. And so, then it just became a matter of how do we keep this guy as long as we can. And um, so, yeah, we were happy to have him throughout the season. Kind of going going off of that, like how how much do you as a showrunner have say in casting decisions? So I know obviously there are casting directors and stuff, but like, did you see any of Daniel's like audition processes or like final callbacks or anything like that? Okay. Yeah. The way it works is um, on any role. We have two casting directors. We have um, Claire Simon and, uh, Chicago, and we have Jonathan Strauss in New York. And so when a role comes out, um, we do what's called a breakdown for the role. And so I'll approve all, all the breakdowns, which is this is what we're looking for, you know. Either it's, you know, 30-year-old male open ethnicity, we'll say a lot of times, meaning, you know, we didn't write it specifically to be an African-American or Hispanic. Um, right. But we'll look at any audition, Um and so, and then sometimes it's it's uh, specified. It'll be like, no, we want a Caucasian male or we want a, you know, a Latino. Um, and so, anyway, so those breakdowns go out. And then um, I don't, I honestly don't even know how Claire and Jonathan find the people that they find. But then they'll send to me um, usually three or four of what I would consider the finalists um, for the role. Uh, and then I will watch them and I approve everyone who, um, who gets on the show, even if it's a two line, you know, Hey, there's a fire over there that, uh, that goes through my, uh, office. And then when it's a gigantic role, like Emily, um, Foster this year, Mm -hmm. um, Annie, we did auditions here in LA. We had Jonathan come from New York to LA. We probably spent two days. Um, having women come through 
reading for the role. And then when we got down to five that we liked, we had Kara come in and read opposite um, the five finalists. And then Annie again was uh, just again, blew us away and was supremely talented. And, and then, you know, we booked her. That's awesome. Yeah. So Herman has had a pretty good season. Finally, I mean, Herman passed his lieutenant exam in season two, right? So why, yes. <laughs> yeah, why are we making him a lieutenant now? Why, why now? Well, we were, again, you're just, you get in the writer's room and you try to think of how can we take things up a notch or surprise people or do something different. Um, when I was a kid, there was a show on television called The A-Team. And um, The A-Team, it didn't matter what happened one week to the next. They, the guy, you know, it didn't matter if eight people had guns to their heads. At the end, the good guys were going to win. Next week, we come in and it's a reset of everything that had happened. And I know why shows do it. You've paid actors. You, you know, you've done, you, you have them for this amount of, time you don't want the audience to get you know to uh what's the right word like a disoriented and so you reset things back to the way they were and then we just started thinking of like why do we do this why don't we surprise everyone we've never told the engine story on chicago fire um let's make there's another rig there let's make um Herman the lieutenant nobody will see it coming and uh, again you know it's like you just try to line up your surprises as the season goes, um, the third episode was uh, Herman making Lieutenant, which I think was shocking. And then, the, you know, I think we got to the sixth or seventh and we killed uh, Benny, um, which nobody saw coming. So you're just trying to surprise people. Thanks for segueing into our next question, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were going to ask, because it was a really bad year to be a dad at one Chicago. I mean, like, was this something that was, like, coordinated? Like, I mean, all of those, every, like, everyone's father's either been killed or injured this season. Yeah, um, it was more circumstantial than planned. I mean, <laughs> we didn't shy away from it. Um, it's funny because nobody calls dibs on any particular storyline. We do try to avoid it if um, something is right up against something that our PD is doing, but we figured we had this one first, so uh, we were all over it. We killed Benny first, so you guys killed Pat later. <laughs> well, well, we killed we killed Halstead's dad first, but it was, yeah. in our, it was in our it was in our cross. So we claim it. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's, that's funny. funny. Did you guys have like, any point where, like, you were? Did you talk to Rick or anybody and just be like, "Oh wait, you're killing Pat. We're killing Benny. What, what's happening? Can we do this? Like, one of us has no, to change." No, I mean, <laughs> the order was the or, Even though it ha theirs happened, even though um, Halstead's dad happened first, um, Benny was pitched first because we hadn't figured out exactly what the the three hour overall thing was going to be for the crossover we knew we were going to do the um the residence tower fire but we didn't know if we were going to kill anyone off or not and it was rick who offered up um uh what's his name halstead's dad <laughs> and so but we had already done we had already done we had already pitched out to the network and to dick that benny was going to die in the sixth episode so we just didn't back off of it nice yeah. Yeah, so I guess, like, going off of that a little bit, like, why did you, like, like, what, where did the idea come from to, like, hit, kill Denny, or kill Benny off now? Like, what did you like about what that storyline opened up for Severide and 
Stella and other characters. Yeah, you're always looking for trigger points that um, that will affect the most characters on the show. And and we were thinking about the previous season, and I think we had nine episodes before the um, break, and the um, fifth or sixth episode in there, they started to drag a little bit in our minds. You know, this is when you're tough on yourself looking back over the season. And so when we got into the writer's room this time, we thought, what can we do not, that's not a winter finale, that's not uh, the opening of the season, that'll really, really rock people and shake things up. And so I can't remember who first had the idea um, that Benny dies. But once that idea makes it onto the board, then you start thinking of all the ramifications that that could have. And we knew it would rock um, Kelly and especially Kelly and, and Stella's relationship um, partner that with her, you know, ex, not really boyfriend, friend, um, coming onto the show and would cause this fulcrum of bad feelings, um, that would lead right into the winter finale and then go from there and see where the season takes us. But it really became this theme. I don't know if theme's the right word, but definitely a, a leaping off point of what ended up shaping the entire season was this kelly benny you know relationship Mm -hmm. yeah and so we loved that we got to see katie that was the one silver lining out of it um and that was great (laughs) but the one thing that we wish we had gotten was a katie and severide scene did one happen and just get chopped like what what happened there yeah she's in the church she's in the church um he was spinning out because he was trying to get um the, he was so mad about the uh, fact that the CFD was not throwing a, a, par, a, a parade, you know, kind of thing, a funeral mm-hmm. parade procession for his dad. So it just didn't feel like there was the moment. Uh, we wanted Stella to have the moment where she delivered the medal to him. But she's in the church beaming at him while he's uh, delivering the, the eulogy. And then the way the episode ended, there wasn't a time to have them... Um, it just didn't line up emotionally for, for a good moment between them. And really we thought of the Katie story as more of an Otis Katie story. There was a couple of extra scenes that didn't make it on the air. Cause we ran out of a room um, between Katie and Otis um, that were really sweet. Um, but uh, the funny thing about the Katie thing was uh, Brittany had come by the office that summer and uh, she was like, um, I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. Um, she's hilarious and um, so sweet. And she was like, well, you know, my schedule with the magicians, I'm, I'm not back on, you know, in Canada or whatever till November. And I was like, uh, actually, we're going to be needing you in October if we had already had that on board. <laughs> nice. so, uh, it, it worked out great. That's awesome. Is that cart? I'm like, I mean, this was kind of going off a, a listener question too, who just wanted to know like if there was any chance, depending on how the Severide stuff goes in the finale, we don't know yet. But like that, as he's still dealing with his father's death, would like Katie come back? Like, does that really like? Is it, I guess it's hard with her magician schedule because like she's I'm assuming shooting at the same time that Fire is for the most part. Um, is that maybe why we haven't really seen her back since she left in whatever it's season? It's more of yeah. It's- it's really more of just you you can only service so many actors and so many right. storylines and it's where you spend your money and and um and her schedule is you know she is full time on another show right so um it's not that we don't love her but 
the show is, you know, mostly about the guys in the firehouse and we have to put our impetus there. As far as anything happening next season, it's way too premature yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, moving... But I love her. I think she's awesome. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, that was great. So moving into Casey and Naomi territory. Fans, oh, yeah. Yeah. So in general, fans weren't really happy at the prospect of Casey moving on so soon after Gabby. But we're curious, what did you guys want Casey to get out of the Naomi relationship? Um, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't answer that. Um, the, uh, we can edit it out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, No, it was just, you know, Casey's been uh, in a relationship almost since the beginning of the show uh, with um, Dawson. I mean, he had Hallie in the first season, but but he and Dawson were making googly eyes at each other in the pilot. Um, and so then, uh, you know, that you, you just think of Severide as this guy who goes out and sort of plays the field, and Casey was more of a homebody. And so we just thought, well, in the wake of divorce, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware, but, like, I was reading a statistic that uh, within three years of a divorce, most people are remarried. Um, like the, the number was super high, 75% oh, wow. or something like that. And I just thought, okay, well, this guy's going to be, he was hurt by what happened. Obviously he's going to be, you know, selling his wild oats, I guess is the wrong expression, but here comes a woman that certainly reminds him of Dawson and is into him. And, uh, you know, you don't always make your best decisions in the wake of, a traumatic breakup. So it was short lived. It was always going to be short lived. I didn't want to say that while it was happening because <laughs> you want the audience to, you know, be into it. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was a way to do a storyline that had some action and then it, that, that resulted in his, uh, apartment burning down and, um, and then, uh, had, uh, you know, Naomi in it. Yeah, we were going to ask if it was always kind of planned to be short-lived or if it was ever, like, something that you guys envisioned going longer than that. But so it was always supposed to be, like, two or three episodes or however long it was? Yeah, it was. I think it was five or six. And it was going to be three, and we really liked her, so we kept it going a little longer than we originally intended, but it was never going to be a thing, you know. Um, And and we always knew she was going to go off and do her journalism somewhere else but but a big impetus in that entire thing was burning casey and dawson's apartment down (laughs) so sad i know (laughs) i just had this image in my head of him uh, back in the summer before the season ever began i just had this image in my head like um like the kid in close encounters of the third kind opening the door and there being this raging fire in that apartment that we've known for four years, you know, which is on our, it was on our stage. We had to actually take the entire set and move it to the burn stage. Oh my um, God. Which I thought was fun. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's, That's cool. We had Kate on the podcast. She's the sweetest. She was great. Yeah. She was yeah. Great. Yeah. She's yeah. awesome. So random here, but you tweeted that Brett's cheer in the se- the senior citizen storyline. You had tweeted that it was originally supposed to be a Hamilton rap, but it was too expensive. Yeah. So yeah. we're curious because I don't know about Bryna, but I love Hamilton. Um, which song did you originally yeah. have in mind? It was going to be the opening song, but 
we found out two things. One, they don't really like to be um, parodied, uh, and <laughs> they and they and it was going to be prohibitively like crazy expensive. Um, so you know, instead of like you know, he was a whatever bastard orphan. It was like you know, she was doing that rhythm. Um, but we never even shot it. We didn't get that far because uh, we just couldn't afford it. Oh, that's funny. That's crazy. But I feel like that doesn't surprise me that it's so expensive, but, like, still, it's always insane to hear how those things don't work out because it's money. Crazy. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a tight relationship with Lin-Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know him at all. Um, so I didn't get to make one of those calls of, like, Hey, could we do this? <laughs> That's yeah. very Brett, though. Brett would be obsessed the with Hamilton. The Hamilton person. Yeah. yeah. So funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also, that was another, it might have been Gilberry. It was either Gilberry or Andrea was like, oh, we'll just switch it to Trippie, <laughs> which we thought was funny. Yeah. So you penned the big Valentine's Day episode. And I'm curious, like, was doing an episode that solely or more so focused on the women rather than like the men in the house, something that you always wanted to do? Or was it something that just kind of came about because you realized when you started planning that like that episode was going to air on Valentine's and like thought that'd be a cool thing to explore? Yeah, I wrote that with um, Elizabeth Sherman. It was her first um, first TV script. Um, So that was really fun for us to do together. Um, we had definitely planned it as a girl's retreat on Valentine's day. We started calling it Valentine's day when we first broke the second half of the season and probably September or late September, early October. Mm-hmm. And then it just lined up that it was going to be, we, we kind of just go through um, and put names up to episodes based on sort of a rotation. So it looked like, this was going to be the one the two of us were going to do together. Um, and then as we then started to shape the story, we thought it would be nice to have it be Foster and Brett um, and with kid trailing behind uh, because you always kind of want that audience on the edge of its seat going, come on, kid, hurry, hurry, get there. You know, uh, as, as more obstacles were coming in her way uh, and it was a good, really good chance for the bonding of Foster and Brett together. Um, we had made it, I, I was driving home in, not home, I was driving to the airport in upstate New York um, last summer, and uh, there was a, a pea soup fog, you know, that thickness of fog that I hadn't been in, in forever because I've been in Los Angeles for 20 years, and right. it was that kind of fog that you just can't even see past the headlights of your car. And I thought, okay, let's do this for uh, the Galentine's episode, that, Im- that image of the opening of them driving in that thick of a fog. And then the bus coming out of nowhere and smashing into the tractor was um, really how we started it. Gotcha. And so kind of going off of that, like when you're talking about like planning out the season and like breaking the second half, the whatever, like when they tell, like, how did they tell you, like, do they tell you from the very beginning, like, oh, you'll be on for three weeks here and then have a three-week hiatus and then on for another four weeks or whatever so that, like, you can plan episodes out or is it just kind of like, eh, as we're going on, like, you kind of start to figure out, like, how <laughs> often you'll be on? NBC um, gives us sort of, they do it in halves. So gotcha. we know, um, like, this year, I don't, I don't remember if we were off maybe one week in the fall. Um, right. 
but generally that was a straight through. And then we see a breakdown of how they're going to do it in the spring. And there's always more um, breaks in the spring. So we, we know in about December what it's going to be. And that might adjust us in terms of making a story and more on a cliffhanger or something. If we're going to have a three week gap, um, a lot of times we'll do that. But the problem is sometimes they change it. So they might say, you know, you're going to be off these three weeks in March. And then they might call and say, Oh, we ordered an additional two episodes. So we're moving you up one of those weeks, you know, or, you know, the break's going to be here because, the president's going to come on and address the nation or something that that can throw you off. Gotcha. Interesting. Did that, didn't that happen to you this season where they ordered extra episodes and shuffled things around? Was that this season? It happens every year. We, we usually get 20 and they, and then they order more. We've never done less than 22 uh, the year before we did 23. Um, and what ends up happening, the way we always deal with it is they plan. Um, we, we plan out the back, um, 10 episodes or nine episodes, whatever it is to get us to 20. And then when they order new ones, we move whatever our last three episodes were going to be down. And then we fill in 17 and 18. Um, is typically the way that we or, or 18 and 19, you know, those two, those two episodes become basically, basically we fill in. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Do you happen to know the episode order for next season? We've seen we've seen things that have indicated that there might be a bigger episode order next season. That's why we ask. Twenty two. That's the that's the opening. That's the opening salvo. Twenty two. Sweet. That's cool. Good. I'm watching a show right now from like the early '90s, and it has like 30 episode seasons. It's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know how they I don't know how they'd have the time. Like we couldn't do that if we tried because you have, you know, eight day prep, eight days to shoot. And then you need probably three weeks of post at the minimum just to get the music and the cuts and all of those things. Right. in. so you just run out of, you can't start early enough to get 30 episodes and it'd be impossible. I mean, we really struggled. We did 24 once and it was a, it almost killed us. <laughs> Go ahead, Brenna. Yeah. So I guess just kind of going into that too. So like, I'm curious, like with, in regards to the second crossover with PD, I'm curious, like, is there any specific reason that the second smaller crossovers that you guys tend to do, like always usually seem to be with PD? Is that just like a scheduling thing? Is it because storylines just tend to work better when it goes fire into PD? Like, I'm just curious, like why med, it's not for like <laughs> med and PD or like med and fire. Like, yeah. is it just kind of like a storyline thing? Great question. Um, originally, they were going to bump Med into March and have uh, right. um, the Rocks Titan games or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. be in that, that slot. And so we had already planned the Fire PD crossover. And then gotcha. because One Chicago was working so great, they were like, "Oh, you know what? Let's let's do a let's redo this and have Med just start at the same time." So by that time, we were pretty well down the planning stages. And I swear right. to you, I thought any day I'm going to get a call from Dick, and he's going to be like, "You know, hey, make sure Med is part of this crossover." <laughs> and uh, and I was I was nervous. I mean, we were we were ready for it if it happened, right. but because we had we already knew what the story was. We just didn't want to um, do it, and Dick thought things were working pretty well on Med, so we 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 
pretty much convinced him, hey, let's, he, he's always happy to do a three-way, but um, <laughs> we convinced him to keep it two this time. Gotcha. Nice, nice. So real quick on the Galentine's Day episode, just wrapping that up. So that very same episode, it was mentioned, there was mention of an Otis and Lily and Joe and Chloe double date. Yeah. When, where, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we tried, we we definitely had it blocked um, into one of the stories and then it ended up getting dropped and I can't remember why. I mean, I'm sure it was, space um what ends up happening when you're writing you have an a a b and a c story right and the c story is the one that's going to get trimmed when it's all said and done because you're you're just you know you just have so much room for i i'm a big believer in the c story i know sometimes i've heard you guys on your podcast sometimes they're like why would they have you know this <laughs> comedy storyline when when we really want to know about the right kid and i'm like well, well i'm still a big believer in keeping thing. I want you, you know, I want to mess with your emotions all the way through and I want you laughing in one scene and crying in the next and all those stuff. So anyway, it doesn't always work, but I'm a believer in it. So that's probably why I got cut. But then we were going to have it in this um, episode, just this, uh, two episodes ago when they had the um, game night, but then yeah. we couldn't get Chloe. We couldn't get Chloe. She was, she was working on Handmaid's Tale. Oh, she's in Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, she played that. Did you see the first season? Yeah, I have. Brenna hasn't. She was the she was the cook in the um in the, the hotel when he brought when the commander brought Elizabeth Moss to the to the hotel. Um, the one where they were like you know like they were sinning and all that stuff. And remember, like Elizabeth Moss's boyfriend, I forget his name, uh, the driver. He was down talking to the cook in the in the kitchen she was she and the cook was really cool she was that she was that cook in fact that's oh. the audition that's the that's what i saw when i was like oh let's get her to play um chloe because i just think she's really cool that's awesome i don't want to say i love that show because it's so dark but i love that show so yeah yeah <laughs> no the second season was really tough to get through but in terms of just being you know emotionally draining but it's very well done yeah, yeah. Brenna has a list of about four pages worth of shows she needs to watch, so we can just I talk know. about I'll the and she can just listen. We'll get to it eventually. We'll get to just it keep watching ours. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Make time for these. That's more important. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to though the second crossover with PD real quick. So one of the things we really loved about that crossover was there was like the one Leon scene, which we thought like we love yeah. Leon. We loved every time he's come back, but like. Was it supposed to be something more and then, like, scheduling happened? Or was it just kind of overhyped? Because I know there was, like, a lot of talk on the internet before. It was like, Leon's coming back, yay. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> just one scene. Okay, cool. We like it, but... I think it, it was over. I think it was over. Maybe we overhyped it. I think it was overhyped. We... It was okay. always... In our minds, Leon's been in Chicago ever since he came back two seasons ago with... Okay. Um, when he came back for Cruz's birthday. Right. And it was kind of like... The talk in that scene was, um, hey, it's all died down now with the gangs. They don't even care anymore. And I think we mentioned later in the season that he had gotten a job in the furniture business, making furniture or something. And so in my mind, he's just been around. We just don't always focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that, was, maybe that was a case of we should have explored that more, but we didn't. 
I was just, it was just like, maybe it was just like the articles, like the, you know, like the outlets and stuff over it, but it was just like, it seemed like a lot in the news and we were like, oh, this is really great. And then it like, we liked what we saw, but it was like, oh, one scene. Okay. Like, I just was curious if that was something you guys had planned and then cut or if that was like, no, a, no, it was, was always supposed to be like that. It was always just that one. Yeah. It was always just that one scene. It was, you know, really related to the idea of boy having asked Leon and Leon having to have given up so much the last right. time and now he comes and asks his brother so we thought well you have to have a scene between the two of them um regarding that but we didn't take it farther further further than that but it is funny i, I do think yeah, i've mentioned this last year but you guys because i listen to your um podcast and sometimes our show is is um up against your expectations of what you thought was going to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're like well I thought Mama Severide was going to be in there more than she was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do it. I can't do anything about what you thought. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. were also introduced to the new chaplain this season. So yes. something we talked about on our episode earlier this week is that we're kind of unclear on his job description. So can we just like clear this up a little bit? Is the chaplain for anyone who needs him? Or is, is he just the chaplain for the fire department? Why is his office at med? Lots of things that we're just not quite sure about. Yeah, no, he's a first responder um, chaplain. So he he also has a church down the street that that got cut, um, but he, he had mentioned in the Chloe episode in the winter finale, he was supposed to have said, I also have an office at the church, the Methodist church across the street. But um, in reality, like those, those chaplains who work with the CFD, they're, you know, they're part-time jobs. They're, they have their own churches, and then they also serve the first responders. Um, and so, yeah, uh, but he's got an office at Med because that's where first responders are constantly dropping people off. Gotcha. That we I just like I just noticed that for the first time in last week's episode, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, why is it? At I was just I had so many questions. I was so confused. But that makes you'll a lot get them all sense. answered. Uh, you, you will get those answers next season on Chicago Chaplin. Where, uh... <laughs> <laughs> was that the same way? I'm assuming for and now I'm blanking on his name but the chaplain that previously was there and then retired I'm forgetting his Orlovsky. name yeah, Orlovsky. Yes. Orlovsky. Was it? I'm assuming same thing like part time chaplain had an office at med but also like had his own yeah. church somewhere else okay yeah and he was getting up there in years and um, wanted to uh, I think we wrote that he, he was moving to Florida so he could yeah. golf some more <laughs> yeah nice. and so we did, like, I mean, obviously the Chaplin-Sylvie relationship was a big part of this season. And I'm curious, like, we're still not entirely clear why he ended it with Sylvie. I'm just curious, like, can you just talk a little bit about that relationship and, like, why I did the Chaplin end things with Sylvie originally? Yeah, so what happened was um, there was that scene where uh, Casey comes to him. Uh, he goes to Casey. Brett says, can you check up on Casey? Casey had almost been shot in the face when the gun didn't go off. Right. He says, we go check check on Casey. He goes over there, and Casey's like, oh, did you read the police report? And she, and he says, no, um, Brett told me. And and so Casey, you saw Casey's immediate reaction to that was like, okay, that's, that's cool. weird, yeah. right? That I'm yeah. going to open up to somebody who, no matter what you say, hey, you know, some confidence, nothing leaves this room. Well, but you're dating a girl who's in my firehouse. So I, I don't know what you're going to say over dinner or 
spills the beans. You know, what if I have a complete breakdown and say I can't do this job anymore? You know, is that going to come out? I just think it was a trust issue that came to a head there in terms of being able to do his job as a chaplain, which is to serve, you know, people who are going through super emotional things. And if you can't have trust in that, that that's not going to get out, whether whether that's your issue or not, it still affects whether or not he could do his job. And so he saw that and reacted maybe too hastily, um, but, you know, um, felt like the reason he had got into this was to help people. And if he couldn't do that, then what was he doing? Hmm. That actually clears it up a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So shifting over now to Brett and Casey. When? Oh boy. I know. I know. Everybody buckle up. You guys aren't, you guys aren't, you guys aren't opposed to it. Oh no, no, we are, we are quite in favor. We are here for it. But yeah. So when did you realize that this pairing was, something worth exploring or like that you'd be interested in exploring it. Cause I know for us, we kind of picked up on vibes in the crossover that we were like, wait a second, this could be good. So were you thinking mm-hmm. of it early in the season or did it just kind of come up as the season went along? It was more as the season went along. We had, we had, um, we had done the Naomi, Naomi of it all was already planned. So it wasn't until we were starting to plan the second half. And then it was kind of like this, crazy three days of discussion in the writer's room, including with Dick, where we were, where we were like, could we, should we, would we, um, <laughs> which are all the questions that you ask yourselves. Uh, so yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't until the second half. Interesting. Was it solely character based? Cause we had Annie Alonza on the podcast I think late last year. Yeah. And she said that Kara and Jesse have like their own language. So was it all solely character based <laughs> or was it kind of similar to John and Kara and the chemistry they had as actors? Um, I, you know, now I've just been around everybody so much that, um, I, I can't tell you. <laughs> They're like, everything's, <laughs> everything's interlinked as far as I know. Yeah. Okay, so Casey mentioned in an episode that he hadn't spoken to Gabby in months. Are we to assume right. that she's not in touch with Brett either? Because she Anyone wasn't the at the time of the first crossover. Is she in touch with anybody? No, I think she's uh, pretty much dropped off because of uh, the combination of the work and the needing to get away and just be separate. Um, and uh, I feel like, you know, there's so much what's the right word? Like, uh, she'd have too many feelings. So it's kind of, sometimes you just work through your feelings and she's got so much work to be done. That's what I imagine is happening. And then it becomes a kind of a thing where I don't know if anybody's had this experience, but you, you've already taken so long that then it becomes too awkward to start it up. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I think. That's what I think's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm curious, like, was the episode la- or the storyline last night in last night's episode with Ritter and LaPointe and Herman, like, was that influenced by that at all, or, like, where did that storyline come from? No, um, I didn't even know it was Mental Health Month until last night, but I'm glad that um, that we, you know, were able to do an episode on that. The original pitch for that was going to be a Stella storyline, and it was going to be an old uh, mentor of hers um, who had reached out for help 
and she was busy doing something else, and then, um, you know, and then she slowly realized, oh, this is more serious than I thought. But then when we sort of started shaping the arson storyline and knew Severide was going to get fully involved with that, we wanted Stella, um, most of her uh, screen time to be with Kelly or, you know, worried about Kelly because anytime Benny is mentioned, he goes down this rabbit hole that led to their breakup. And so then we just thought, okay, well, we really like this idea of an older guy retiring and, you know, you try to act tough and seen it all, done it all, and it doesn't affect you. And and then you realize it does, which is a very real um, problem that um, firefighters go through and face. Right. And so then it just became natural. Why don't we do this as a Herman Malch um, Ritter storyline? Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of going off of that, I mean, PTSD is kind of something you guys started touching on throughout the season, you know, with Casey and Otis earlier on. Um, Like, is that something you're looking to explore more of? Because like you said, like, it is important that it's talked about, like, so whether it be like with those specific characters or even just like on the show in general. Yeah, it'll always be there. You know, these guys see things and it's true. I mean, even even in the times I've done right along, I've seen stuff that, you know, has been horrifying. And um, and these guys do it. I mean, there's not a week that goes by that these firefighters don't see something, you know, awful. And so I think it'll be something we always explore. We've definitely done it in the past. We'll do it again. This was a really heartbreaking one because it was a guy retiring. And I think when people retire and their lives change um, is, is when it can really hit you. Yeah. So we thought that was important. And I, I don't think the story's over with Otis. Yeah. We really thought the guy last night was going to die. Cause usually when someone talks about like retiring or going on vacation, it usually never means they make it there. So we really thought he was going to die. Yeah, that was a, I mean, that was definitely a thought of, of where to go, but ultimately you're looking at balancing episodes and, you know, and again, always at the forefront of our mind is to try to do something different than what the audience thinks we're going to do. So you yeah. set it up, you set up with the metal that he's got the signs of suicide, but thankfully yeah. we got to him in time. Yeah. 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 That was an important story. So we haven't touched on Stellar Ride yet, but we're getting into that territory now. Our listener Ainsley wanted to know, is Stella still dating Towel Guy or is she single? Can we just clarify this? <laughs> that was a very, very short-lived one episode. I don't think they even really did much except go to a brewery at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a one and done. That was just to make Severide kind of like sit up and go like, oh, wait, I don't get to dictate the terms of this. You know, uh, relationship. That poor actor now, he's forever known as Towel Dude. <laughs> uh, it's right up there with Hazmat. Hazmat Zack had a longer storyline. The sad yeah. tale of Hazmat Zack. Yeah. Yeah. He popped up in a car commercial over the winter, and I was just like, oh, hey, it's Hazmat Zack. <laughs> he's great. He was really, I really enjoyed uh, what he did. And um, Daniel, he's, and he's just a really nice dude, too. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Stellaride, I mean, I think literally every question we got about them was when are they getting back together? So I guess when are they getting back together? Like, <laughs> like I mean, this literally, I mean, questions after question was when are Stellaride getting back together? Ask Derek, what is Stellaride getting? Like, literally, just for right. all, that's all it's been. 
Oh, man. Well, I guess we're going to have to do that one when you do the follow-up questions on the finale. Because <laughs> um, that's, you know... Um, let's just say when when Benning comes into the picture, things have gone wrong in the past, and obviously he's affected. Severide was yelling at Bowden in this episode um, because, you know, Bowden mentioned Benny. Uh, so... Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. Send me some follow-up questions. <laughs> that was one of our questions, is if you would grant us follow-up, so we're happy to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can just end this with a few listener questions, because we had some more general ones that listeners wanted to know from you. So Haley wanted to know, when the cast gets a new script, well, first of all, I know you guys do it for the premiere, but do you guys do table reads for every episode, or is it just for the premiere? We don't even do the premiere anymore. We, really? We just, yeah, we stopped doing them. Um, man, it's probably season three. Um, it's just, it's literally a scheduling thing where we were having to take lunches away, you know, from the crew and from um, the cast to try to get everybody in a room and do it. And when it became, I think it was season three, when it became where you only have half your cast there because the other half is working and you've got you know, extras reading lines of the cast. We were like, why are we doing this? There's no, there's no point in it. I don't, I don't need it. It's not like a comedy where we we're trying to hear if the jokes work or those kind of things. So the actors get the scripts about a week ahead of time. And if they have any questions, they call. Gotcha. Then that answered the care for that question then. So, yeah. Yeah. So our listener, Kristen, she wants to know how many days does it take to write a script for an episode? Also, do you basically have the whole season figured out before the season starts? How does that whole process work? Right. So you get a, we, we do half seasons at a time in terms of overall storylines. We adhere pretty closely to what we decide we're going to do at the beginning of the year. And then you have about three weeks from start to finish to write a script. And that can vary when it gets um, really tight towards the end of the year, you can, we could be writing scripts in, you know, five or six days just because you just don't have time. Um, and you, we, we still have to have scripts approved through Dick and then through NBC. He, Dick still reads everything and, um, you know, will call me with any thoughts that he has on it. And then NBC, Rebecca McGill, who's our main um, NBC, uh, uh, she's a VP over there who covers our shows. She covers all the, um, Chicago shows and um, Law and Order SBU. She and Christina and Kenny at NBC have to approve every script too. So you you just go up against the clock of when you have to have those scripts to them so that they can then give you their notes so that then you have time to do the notes and then turn it in. And I try to have a finished script, meaning it's been cleared through Dick and through NBC before the very first day of prep. And I've been, I was probably 95% over the last two years of um, having that, you know, sometimes we're prepping off of an earlier draft, um, but rarely do I do that because I don't want to change things after that. Our show's too hard to make to do it. So, okay, I have a follow-up writing question to that because I'm a big nerd. I love to see the script pages and everything. So yeah. at the mid-season finale, when you did the one with the car accident that you had referenced earlier, that's not a writing decision, is it? That's a director's decision to make it a one right? Well, it's funny because we don't, usually do that kind of thing on our show so i wrote it i wrote it in such a way to suggest it could be a oneer, but it was it was reza's idea and 
I, I, my only thing, so we have what's called a tone meeting with the director, which is the last chance for me as showrunner to talk to the director before the first day of shooting, um, where I talk through every scene. It's a two hour meeting as we're just, we go through every scene just to make sure there's no, are, are you confused about anything that we're trying to accomplish? Like when Severide says this, he really means this. That's what I want to make sure the director knows before we shoot. So Reza told me um, before that, he's like, I want to try this as a one -er. And I said, absolutely, 100%, try it. I said, but you've got to have coverage in case, because we don't want to sit in the editing room and it didn't work. And then we're like, oh, we're boned, you know, because we didn't, we didn't do it. But then he did such an amazing job. that. So, yes, it was, it was written in the script where you could do it. But it was also naturally where you could cut um, through the vignettes. Nice. How many pages was that out of curiosity? Again, I'm a nerd. I, I love these things. Ooh, I, I'd have to look. I really don't. I really don't remember. It's probably five or six pages. I can't nice. remember. Nice. I write in a weird style that's not like um, any other scripts. Where um, it's funny because Todd Arno, who's our um, who's our line producer who came on in season three and he looked at a script that Brant and I had done and he was like, this has 85 scenes in it. And I'm like, no, there's 40 scenes in it. It's just looks like 85. Cause the way I write, which is I will write, um, what they're called, they're called scene headers. Right. So right. let's say you have interior, interior, interior bedroom. No, let's say it says interior suburban house day. And right. I'll be like, you know, Severide walks into the living room and, you know, here's a sound. So he heads to the, and I'll put like dot, dot, dot. And then I'll put kitchen colon. And then it's like, and inside there's a bomb in the refrigerator or whatever. <laughs> that, so that comes out like it's two scenes, but it's really one scene. Right. So it gets numbered like it's two scenes, but it's one scene. And so through that, through that um, highway call, for you nerds, I was like, you know, we drive up onto the highway, uh, you know, whatever. He's looking, he yells, Chloe. That was the end of the teaser. We come back up on the other side, and it's like, you know, it starts on cruise, and the, and his name is a is a header, and it's like he shouts, you know, Chloe. He looks to his left and sees, and then it's say like Casey, you know, colon, like he's a scene header as he assesses woman and car or what I can't remember the order of the events, but what I wanted yeah. was proved to be the middle and four different vignettes happening where the ambulance, um, the paramedics were looking at one victim. The engine had to put out a fire on a, on a hood. Um, Casey and Otis were doing something else and Severide and Cruz were doing, I mean, Severide and uh, the rest of the squad were doing something else. Nice. That was way more information than you wanted. No, you you don't yeah. have no idea. I'm sitting here with a huge grin. I'm like, that's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So kind of going off of that and talking about scripts, Holly wanted to know how far in advance do you start planning the finale? Like, do you already kind of have an idea when the season starts? Or is that like a second half, like when you kind of start actually getting into that? Yeah, that's the same thing. It's the, We're thinking of winter finale in the first half and we don't, really think that other than what the ramifications are going to be of the winter finale. And then we, that gives us a place to start. And that um, in around October that we start thinking of the second half. Um, and a lot of times we'll think of that finale early in the process and then work backwards from, from what we want the finale to be. Gotcha. Cool. 
cool. And so in your Sunday Q&A a couple weeks back, which we love that you do, by the way, thank you for doing those because oh, you definitely don't have to. And we love that you do. Um, but yeah. yeah, so in your Sunday Q&A, you've talked about how you plan the episodes for each half at one time and then you make adjustments. So were there any storylines this year that surprised you and how they turned out when they were filmed? And did you have to make any adjustments in later episodes to further delve into those stories? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, definitely with Benny dying, that became um, something that we thought would affect the whole season. Uh, the chaplain being really good uh, actor-wise um, let us consider bringing him back for more. Um, Chloe being good, we wanted that. That was originally going to be a short-lived thing, and then we thought, why not just have Cruz have a girlfriend for a while, even if we don't see her? Um, so that stayed around. I'm trying to think of any other big, what were some other major ones? Um those are the main ones that come top of mind to me. Uh, Benny being the primary one that just ended up sort of being a shadow over the whole season. Interesting. So now we've got the penultimate under our belt and we're going to, we're going to be airing this the Monday before the finale. So, you know, we've got the finale coming up and you know what everybody's hearing is two days from now, but what can you tease that's coming in this last hour of the season? Um, what can I tease coming in the last hour? Um, this arson story that we've been, um, that's been picking up steam and building for two episodes is going to definitely come to a head. Um, let's see, what else can I tease? Uh, that's the big one. I don't really want to give anything else away. I mean, there's going to be all sorts of craziness happening. I mean, it's going to be, it's a, it's, it's a crazy one. It's a crazy one. We really love the episode, how the episode description goes, all hell breaks loose. Like, that was just, like, I, I love it. Cause I Can I tell you that was me? Because uh, I'll, I'll take full credit for that because um, we have this awesome, awesome, awesome uh, PR person at, uh, at um, NBC named Gary Mednick who does mm-hmm. all of those. He writes all of those descriptions, and he's always the one who does any kind of publicity thing that we're doing, One Chicago Day, all of those things, he's at the forefront, uh, and he's just the sweetest guy anyway, and he loves the show. And so he had written a pretty traditional, uh, what do you call those? Re- not recap, preview? Description, uh, yeah. Yeah. Description, yeah, episode description. And I was like, I just wrote him back, and I'm like, Gary, how about if it just says all hell breaks loose? And uh, <laughs> so he was like, I love it. Let me see if NBC can do it. Because you just don't know, you know, you don't know what, what they're going to say. But, yeah, so... We saw that and we were like, oh, that's NBC being like, you know what, you know the drill. You've been around for seven seasons. Like, you know what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, it's funny because a lot of times, you know, these finales, they're tough. Um, We've done, it's, you have to try to do things different. Even when you do something different, they say, oh, you've done that before. So you, you know, you try to do at least a different version of what you've done and then sometimes we do these finales where it's some sort of personal thing like last season was um obviously dawson leaving and it was the the commissioner uh gary cole mm-hmm. um getting the job so we didn't do a big you know call as the end so i'm not going to tell you what to expect except that all hell breaks loose <laughs> except that all, oh, i mean that 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 
that sounds like something you would describe the episode as like, yeah, all hell breaks loose. I mean, okay, so I'm trying yeah, to think of I'm yeah. trying to think of a way to phrase this that like we can get an answer out here. Um, is it going to be like heartbreaking, like you're my miracle style season finale, or is it going to be like action packed <laughs> end of season two explosion season finale? Like, <laughs> see what I'm getting at here? Um, yeah, I think you're going to have. Um, I think you're going to have. You're. I think all the. I think you're going to feel all the emotions. That you feel in uh, let's say one episode is like one emotion, you know, like oh that's this episode, and then another episode is like oh that was a heartbreaking one, and then another episode is like oh that was funny, you know, uh, this one you're gonna uh, those those forty one minutes are going to be uh, intense. You're gonna feel them all. You're gonna feel all the emotions. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, he's not budging, Gina. Not no, budging. Not, I, I, no, I didn't think so. And then the minute I asked that question, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to say. Like, <laughs> it was worth a shot, though. It was worth a shot. So um, we touched last year, Derek. I know you were you had just written a new book last year and everything. And so, um, do you have anything new going on this year, like new book wise? I know they're turning your trilogy into a movie, right? Yeah. So we're we're pretty close to finding out if it's going to actually happen or it was close and no cigar um we have michael b jordan um who wants to play columbus is the name of the character we have this awesome director gerard mcmurray and lionsgate making the movie um but those three things all have to come together and say green light we're doing this now and i really think within the next couple of weeks we're going to know because what ends what ends up happening in hollywood is an actor is um as respected and hot, I guess is the right word, as um, Michael ends up getting a ton of offers. So right. he's got to decide, am I going to do this one? Am I going to do that one for my fall slot, for my January slot, for my you know next summer slot? And so there, Lionsgate's trying to get his fall slot um, right now. And it may happen or it may be the kind of thing you ask me again next year. Whatever happened to that? And I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool, though. That's got to be a really cool feeling that, like, you're going to see the words you wrote on the page, like, on the big screen. That would be crazy. It would be really fun for me because I just wrote the book and somebody else wrote the script. So um, I would I would love it just uh, as an author. Obviously, it um, means more people read your book um, if they make a movie of it. So that's that'd be exciting. Um, and then as far as other stuff, no, I've been just enjoying my time off, uh, playing some golf and hanging with the family and, uh, not really worrying about anything until we get into the room in June and start figuring this out. There might be some other, um, cool, ain't it cool news with, um, with Dick, uh, that I might uh, be talking about in, uh, the fall, but let's, um, you know. No, I, I can't announce that ahead of time. So, but yeah, no, I mean, I, Brian, any other questions? No, I think that's it. Derek, thank you so much for coming back as always. We really appreciate the time that you give us and this was so much fun. Yeah. We love having you on. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's book it again for next year. We appreciate it, Derek. Thank you Let so much. Let me know. All right. We'll do. Peace, guys. Thanks, Take Derek. Care. Bye. Bye.